Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. If you return with me to 2 John, our title for our message today is Practicing and Protecting the Truth in Love. This is what I'm suggesting is the theme for this book. Practicing and protecting the truth in love. And the subheading is how not to become victim to spiritual crime. So hopefully you're in Second John. And, and if not, I'm going to again encourage you to turn there. How many of you know that we live in a dangerous world? A dangerous world and... <clears throat> to the point where you have to sometimes, sometimes, child-proof your home. Sometimes you have to child-proof your home. You have to <clears throat> divorce-proof your marriage. Because it's dangerous. I mean, if you know you have to, you have to hacker-proof your computer. Hacker and even virus-proof your computer because of the, the, the danger of threats. Childproof your home, you put locks on the kitchen cupboards so the, the little ones can't get into the cupboards and, and take out bleach and drink it, right? I mean, you even got, you got, you got, you got, you got bottles that are, that are child protected. You put the little plastic corners on the, little plastic bumpers on the corner so they don't hit their head on sharp corners. Plastic sockets over the plastic, plastic covers over the sockets, right? So they don't stick a clothes wire in and electrocute themselves. Childproofing your home, divorce-proofing your marriage. Hmm. I mean, if you know, communication is vital in a marriage. Fidelity is vital in a marriage. You want to ch- you, you want you want to you want to fireproof your your marriage. Faithfulness. I think there's a film called, there's a Christian film called Fireproof. And it's talking about marriage. And one guy didn't fireproof his marriage and the whole marriage fell to pieces. And by the grace of God, he was able to redress that. You get protection for your computer because of information theft, identity theft. People want to nick your personal details. That's why you need online security. We live in a dangerous world. So... <clears throat> we do these things in order to prevent dangerous harm, don't we? There are real dangers that exist in the world, but unless you're aware of those dangers, guess what you won't do? You won't take protection. If you're not aware of it, or unless you just don't care, right? This principle is also true in a spiritual sense. This principle is also true in a spiritual sense because there are misleaders, there are seducers, there are false doctrines, false teachings, false faiths which lead to devastation and destruction in a spiritual sense. Temporarily, but then possibly, eventually, eternally. And we live in a consumer-oriented society, don't we? In which we're inundated with multiple choices. Oh my gosh, it's like, which pair of trainers do you buy next? You're going footlocker and you're like, you're paralyzed until you see the prices, right? And you just go over to the sell section. <laughs> see, and if we're not careful to protect ourselves <clears throat> from the multiplicity of choices, we could become victims of spiritual crime. Because how I many of you know there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's, it's like going to Harrods or Hamleys in terms of choice. And I'm saying, when it comes to spirituality, so much choice. Sometimes individuals can be paralyzed. I remember when, before I became a Christian, I was paralyzed. I wanted to know the truth, but I was paralyzed. By the amount of choice, thank God for his grace and his ability to reveal himself. <clears throat> Let's listen carefully to the warning of scripture 
with regards to these dangers. Second John, turn to chapter one, right? <laughs> There's only one chapter. Verse one, the elder, reading from the ESV, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with, you, with, with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Children of your elect sister, greet you. As I said, we just completed the book of First John, which helped us to identify True believers on the basis of three tests, right? <clears throat> Do you have sound faith? Are you obedient? And do you love fellow Christians? This litmus test, if you like, it not only assures believers of the validity of their faith, but also challenge the counterfeit or fake profession of false believers that is those who practiced deception. But then John also exposed those who are guilty of not practicing deception, but promoting deception. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, John said in his previous letter, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. It's one thing having those who practice deception in their lifestyles but then it was another thing with regards to those who were now avidly promoting deception <clears throat> and that through their teaching and he's going to continue these two themes in this short letter and the text kind of divides quite nicely into two sections verse 1 to 6 and in verse 7 to 13 verse 1 to 6 Subheading could be abide in God's commandments. John ain't going to really say nothing new. <laughs> and the second section, verse 7 to 13, is abide not with false teachers. Abide in God's commandments, verse 1 to 6. Verse 7 to 13, abide not with false teachers. Hopefully helping you to get a handle on the chapter. Now, verse 1, the elder. Speaking of John who is one of, or was one of the disciples of Jesus. John, who is now old and full of years, John the Elder. And he writes to the elect lady and her children. This is either a reference to a literal female or a spiritual female. If it's a literal female, um, she would have been a Christian lady that was acquainted with the apostle John, who had literal children who we will see, some of which are walking in the truth, verse 4. Alternatively, verse 1 is a reference to a church, 
that is a spiritual, not a literal, but a spiritual female. And if you know, this is often a term used by other New Testament authors. That is the bride of Christ, right? What gender is that? It's female, right? So, verse 13, at the end of the letter, beginning of the letter, you've got the end of the letter. Verse 13 seems to confirm that it's possibly the spiritual female that is referenced here, the church. The church. Because John concludes this short letter with greetings from her quote-unquote sister. It would make... sense that this is not only a a personal letter from John to a lady, but also to a church, which would later go on, that is, this letter, would later then go to other churches, even 2,000 years later, a letter that would be addressed to us as a church, the body or the bride of Christ. And notice, not only that it's the lady, but it's the what? It's the elect lady. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of who? The sake of the elect. Again, it's a, it's a reference to the church that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The elect is, <clears throat> is a general New Testament reference for the church, which we'll talk about um, more about in a moment. To this group, John says, Whom... I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who know the truth. John reiterates that which he spoke about in his first letter, which relates to one of his tests, right? Believers who love believers. He says, I love you. But so do the other Christians. So do the other believers. You see that mutual love? How many of you know that the same ought to be true for us? The same ought to be true for us. I, um, I think it was two days ago I got a phone call from a brother that I met once when we were away at the marriage retreat. I saw a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for years at the hotel, just random. They had gone away, him and his wife, and this other brother and his wife, and just, just saw them, I don't know, come out the lift or through the doors. I was like, wow, Franklin, what bridge room is it? And he was like, yeah, and he introduced me to this friend of his. To be honest, I couldn't even remember his friend's name after we met. You know the ones where you meet someone and you walk away, hoping that you don't catch them in the corridor in the next 10 minutes. And so the, the, guy who, the, the guy who I knew, he's not the one that called me. It's the other brother calls me up. Must be Friday. And he's like, oh... He's like, Pastor Rob, my name's Kevin. And I'm, no, he's like, Pastor Rob, uh, I'm, the, I'm, one of the, I'm the guy that you met when you was in the hotel with Franklin and that. And there's me running through my mind trying to think, what's the brother's name again? And he's like, oh, it's Kevin. I was like, Phew. So he's, So he's like, yeah, you know what? We've been, we've been, we've been looking you guys up. Um, must be looking at the website. And we just love what the Lord's doing with you, brothers. And we just want to, we just want to link up. We're wondering if you guys could come over and preach at our church and maybe, you know. I was like, I was like, really? I was like, wow. And honestly, like, immediately, because obviously, because I know his friend and then I'm correlating stuff, I'm like, me and this guy have this conversation for the next, like, 20 minutes, like we've been friends for years. And just immediately there was this kindred, like, love just for one another. You know what I mean? And, and obviously, if you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. And um, this love is, it's, it's that love should be true also of us for one another and it should be true for us together here in the context of the local church but we're also arguing especially the conversation I had with him I was like bruv you know I'm saying thinking about the love of God and the way we ought to relate to one another believers ought to relate to one another but how about churches relating to one another in that same fashion But we're going to look at some criteria in a minute that's going to determine how that works, how that happens. We must love one another. But you're only going to know about this love. You're only going to exercise this type of love 
if you're a genuine Christian. And it's as a result of verse 2. Have a look at it with me. You're only going to do this if you're a genuine, genuine Christian because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us how long for? Ain't that comforting? Forever. It's like if you genuinely have the truth, you will genuinely have the truth forever. Truth is mentioned five times in these four verses. And it will stand in stark contrast to the second section that we're going to look at in a minute. The first section of the, the, the book, the first, first section of John's letter is talking about love. And it's in stark contrast to what we're going to see towards the end of the letter. Truth. This truth that we talk about is wonderful. And it unites John and these believers together. This is therefore, as I said, true of all Christians in all churches at all times, everywhere. Truth unifies. But we're going to see that truth also divides when we get to verse 10. Now look at verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. As part of John's introduction is this standard New Testament greeting of grace, mercy, and peace. It's like sometimes you might see it on, a te- on the end of a text message from one of us or, you know I'm saying, the end of, end of an email, grace and peace. Pastor P's got GMP. Grace and peace. Trying to bring it back old school. Notice the inseparability of the Father and the Son from John's point of view. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Truth and love. Now it's significant that he links the Father and the Son because we're going to see in a minute that there are those that don't want to see the Father and the Son connected in a way that we would see the Father and the Son connected. Truth and love. I mean, you know, truth and love are to be held in in tension. Often it can be easy to sacrifice one for the other. Sometimes we extend truth at the expense of love. Like, accept Christ or you're going to hell. It's true. But yo, fam, like, like, where's the love? Right? Sometimes we extend love at the expense of truth. And we say things like, you know, if you come to God, everything is going to be all right. Because he loves you so much. Now, how I many of you know that's true? But it's not all of the truth. That's an overextension on what seems like love that isn't real love. May seem like it, may sound like it, may taste like it, but and practicing the truth in conjunction with love will be a preventative, protective measure. See, this is one of the things that John is trying to communicate. It's not just do it because it it feels nice. Or do it because it's true. It's not just do it because God is love. And it's not just speak the truth in love because truth is vital and important. Those those are vital reasons to hold truth and love particularly together. But John is communicating that on the basis of appreciating these two facets, what you are doing, what I am doing, what we are doing collectively as a local church and as churches as they connect to one another, what we are doing is we are practicing the truth and it's going to be preventative and it's going to be a protective measure against danger, against dangerous deception, against you becoming a victim of spiritual crime. 
And there's big, there's big criminals out there running up and down on the, uh, on the loose. John is excited about, the, about this genuine expression of both love and truth in proper balance. Look at verse 4. He says, I did what? He says, he's excited. I rejoice. How? If you're reading the ESV. Greatly. I rejoice greatly to see this happening. To, to, to find, but look at the problem. To find some of your children walking in the truth. Just as we were commanded by the Father. Can you see that not all children, not all Christians walk in truth? Again, it's a recapitulation or it's a repeat of... Re, recapitulation sounds better than repeat. It's a re, he's repeating that which he outlined in his first letter. And he goes on in verse 5 and he says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though... And this is in the light of the fact that some are but some aren't. He says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that we have had from the beginning, which is what? No wonder John is called the apostle of love. Scripture says he is the one that Jesus loved. John 13, verse 23. John had an appreciation for God's love that was overwhelming, literally overspilling. Everywhere the guy went, it seems like that's what he wants to communicate. Because he was up close and personal to God in the flesh, who is love. And again, we hear that specific reminder. It's like he's not tired to communicate it, and it's that we love one another. This is the commandment. It's mentioned four times. And it's with reference to what the Lord Jesus said, right, in John 15, verse 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk, and he's mentioned this, this, this walking business quite a few times, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning. It's nothing new. You heard, like, like Jesus said it to us years ago, and we're continuing to communicate it to you. Remember, it's John the elder. It's years later, but it's nothing new. It's what we heard from the beginning. And, he, and it was even a reiteration from the Lord Jesus of, of God communicating his love way back in the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Nothing new. And it's that you sh- it's not just to know it. What does he want you to do at the end of verse 6? Again, he took, makes reference to this business about walking. It's synonymous with living. Live or walk or act after this fashion, right? Walking in truth and walking in light is a phrase common to John's gospel and his epistles. You see, in John chapter 8, verse 12, John chapter 12, verse 35, it's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and also you're going to hear it from Pastor P in 3 John chapter 1, 1 chapter, verse 3 and 4. May the Lord help us to walk, help us to walk in, to live in, my first point, to abide in God's commandments. Verse 1 to 6, right? May God help us to practice the truth. Because it's going to work preventatively. You believers, you believers, walk in truth and love. Why? Now we come to the second section. Why do we walk in truth and love? Because there are those that walk, but they ain't got the same swagger. They don't walk... This group don't walk like that previous group. Look at them in verse 7. For many deceivers, you see the four, we were talking the other day just about imperatives and indicatives. Like when you're looking through particularly epistles, imperatives are the things that you must do, like love one another. That's an imperative. That's why it's big in the, in the message. 
But then you've got indicatives. Indicatives tie the imperative. So, like, why must I love one another? Why? You see the four, that's what's connecting it. It's an indic- it's saying, it's like, an indic- like indicative, like when you're going left, you flick your indicator. Because in- you're indicating where you're going. So people behind you know where you're going. It's like a flag in the text to say, look, this is indicating why I said love one another. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. This brings us, as I said, to our second point. Abide, this time, not with false teachers. He still wants you to abide, but not this time, and particularly with false teachers. And this is going to protect us, going to protect me, going to protect you from that which is dangerous. Earlier he said in verse 4, you have those that walk in truth and love. But here, you also have those that walk, but they walk in deception and wickedness. And these are all terms that are borrowed from the text. Deception and wickedness, as opposed to truth and love. See that in verse 7 and 10. There are those that are not just deceived, but deceivers. And notice the description in quantity. Is it a couple? Or just a few in verse 7? No. Many. Second Peter chapter 2 says, But false prophets also arose among the people. Now that's a reference to the past. Now, I say the past. I mean, I'm quoting Peter who is already in the past, like 2,000 years past. He's quoting from individuals in the past before him. So he says, But false prophets also arose among the people then. Just as there will be false teachers among you, present tense for Peter, right, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And notice verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality. That is not just, what did you say? All right, then I'm down. Follow you. Fellas, we we lot reckon, come. It's not just those who follow, but those who then also take on a commitment to communicate, like I just said. It's not just, yeah, let's go. No, let me come, but also you lot come, and maybe even, like, you lot must come. It's vital that you follow in this direction. See, it's not just many are going to follow, but it's many that are going to follow this bad example of false leaders and false teaching. And because of them, look, the way of truth will be blasphemed. The way that people need to walk in, the way that John is encouraging individuals to walk in is not the way that they're encouraging individuals to walk in. Can you see the way? The way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, note that, in their greed they will exploit you with false words. In their what? Note that. In their greed they will exploit you. They will use you for themselves with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. See, and Jesus made reference to this, didn't he? In Matthew 24, verse 24. It's one of those verses that's helpful to remember. It's quoted a few places in the Gospels, but Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise future and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray not in the right way encourage individuals to walk in a direction that's not true they will lead astray if possible even the who oh my gosh the lady the bride of Christ Even the elect. Can you see the warning? 
Now, who is it a warning to? The church. And it goes out to the church. Why? Because you might be like, well, why would you warn the church? They're electing. We know if you're electing, you're saved. And like you said a little bit earlier, Robert, if you have the truth, you will continue to have it forever. You'll be like, yeah, but you see, the thing is, it goes out to the church because not everyone in the church is in the church. Just because you go to church, just because I go to church, doesn't mean that I'm in the church. And it's not hard to become either one that is deceived or a deceiver. First Corinthians 10, we need to take heed when we think we stand, lest we fall. This is so scary. And so is the term that John uses. The term that John utilizes is a strong one, right? That big, scary A word. Antichrist. It's a term only ever mentioned by John. And it means against Christ. Jesus said, remember, he said, you're either for me or you're against me. How many of you know there ain't no in between? Well, I'm not really sure. I don't think I'm against him and and I'm, I'm, I'm... I can't really say that I'm for him. Oh, well, guess what you aren't? You aren't for him. You are against him. There's no no middle ground. Against anti-Christ. Against Christ. Now, John speaks specifically to the deception being touted here, as he did in his first epistle, right? This is an anti-Christian doctrine. Verse 7 those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. That's someone who says, Jesus isn't God become a man. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, John chapter 1, same writer, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Excuse me. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Sounds like this person's quite significant. Well, he must be. He's God, right? With God. That helps us with our Trinitarian understanding, doesn't it? It doesn't completely like, oh yeah, of course, I fully understand the Trinity, no. But it's an insight into at least that which we can't fully understand, right? And who is this word? The word is Jesus, because you drop down to verse 14, and it says, same chapter, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 14 verses that help us to see that Jesus is God who became a man. Amen? Anything that contradicts that is anti-Christian. Anti-Christian. Anti-Christ. The word doesn't only just mean against Christ. It also means in the place of Christ. Like someone fronting, not just to be Christ. You know you've got some people that run around and claim that they're Jesus. How ridiculous. You know what I mean? And, And more ridiculous is the fact that people follow them. And, um... They're not trying to preach against Christ. They're actually standing up, quote unquote, apparently pointing to Christ. But they're still against Christ. And these individuals that say they're standing in the place of Christ or pointing to a religious movement or belief system that you can trust in, in the way you're supposed to trust in Christ. And... um, these false teachers, they come in Christ's name, don't they? And we have many of them today who come and knock on your door. I mean, he's going to say in a minute, you know what? <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims, and also pseudo-unbiblical, quote-unquote, Christian preachers on TV and radio. How many of you know letting someone in your house ain't just opening the front door? Therefore, verse 8, watch yourselves. I mean, there's, there's so much the church can do to help. 
There's so much like pastors and leaders and other brothers and sisters can do to help, but you see that verse? Two words. Part of this is going to be down to me. Part of this is going to be down to you. Watch yourself. He begins to talk to the church generally. Can you see how he zooms down now and he's speaking to individuals? Why? So that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Obviously, John as an apostle and the other apostles are working hard to communicate the truth. But often, often, the truth isn't very spectacular. People tend to want they want fireworks and they want pyrotechnics. You know what pyrotechnics are? You ever watch X Factor and they're on stage and they come to that last note and they sing it, bam! And when they go, bam! Like pyrotechnics, you see this, the whole stage lights up, oh my gosh! And you're overwhelmed just by the experience. You walk away and, you, and someone says, did you go for it? It was like X Factor last night. It was amazing. Why was it so amazing? I'm not sure fully why, but it was. Right? Those are pyrotechnics. And, and very often, truth, it doesn't go off with a bang. And sometimes, like when you're hearing it, it might sound a little bit boring, maybe tedious. And it's not that exciting. See why you got to watch yourself? You see what's at stake? Full reward. What does that mean? Verse 9 says, Everyone who goes on ahead, remember the whole walking analogy, who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, oh my gosh, does not have God. Remember, this is the Apostle John speaking who knew Jesus personally. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. You're going to hear groups that tell you about the Father. I mean, Rastafarians will talk about the Father all day. There are groups that will talk about the Father and the Son, but then there's someone in between who gets more glory very often. That's Mary. Oh, that reminds me. It's for dear. Oh, I'm going to get back to you, sis. <laughs> she asked me a question just before the end of last year about something. And, um, yeah, as if you know me, I'm terrible at getting back to texts and emails, but pray for me. Um, father and a son. You've got to abide in both of them together in the way the Bible relates them to one another, not the way that we may choose to relate them to one another. Tradition states that there was this dude, yeah, his name was Serenthus from the first century, and he was a heretic, a false teacher, and um, Serenthus distinguished between the man Jesus and the Christ, right? He denied the supernatural birth of Jesus making him the son of Joseph and Mary, naturally, and distinguishing him from Christ, who descended upon him, he argues, at baptism, and then left him at his crucifixion. According to Arrhenius, right, he said about Polycarp, <clears throat> he said Polycarp told this story about the Apostle John. Now, this is just church, this is just tradition, this is not in the Bible, and um, he, says, he tells a story about John, and and John was having a bath, because you know they'd have like, you know, you know, like Roman baths, like public baths. Like you go swimming and you see, if it's old school, maybe, you know, 18th, 19th century building, because we've got a lot of them in the UK, right? It says public baths. Back in the day, people used to have baths, literally, like to wash their skin, not to swim, collectively. And John was in one of these collective communal baths, and he's in there, and he clocks serenitas. And John's like, let us flee, lest the building fall down on us. For Serenathus, the enemy of the truth, is inside this building. Let's duck out. Literally. 
Verse 10, if, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, we'd probably argue that this doesn't mean you don't let a Jehovah's Witness in, because I mean, into, into the, I don't know, you might let them into your hallway. I mean, it's not good to let them stand up out in the cold, right? <laughs> or it's good to open the door, right? Answer the bell, not draw the curtains and pretend that no one ain't home. Um, I don't think this is, I think, you, I think it, gets, it, it will get to the point where you don't open the door and you don't engage, you know what I mean? But I think this is talking about acting like this stuff ain't important. Remember, truth and love. If you really love someone, you're going to tell them the truth. Even if it means drawing a line. You're not going to hate them, but you're going to say, you know, there's a line there. I've got a habit of calling everyone my brother. I'll be like, there's a line there, you know, my brother. And I always have to catch myself because in an instance like that, you're not actually my brother. Not by biblical definition. I ain't trying to hate. And I'll be like, no, I can't. Sorry. This is one of those issues upon which now we have to part company. You know what I mean? In the sense that I can't flex with you. I can't get down with you. We can't be one with one another because if I act like that, then I'm lying. And I'm not actually being loving. Whoever greets this individual takes part in his wicked works. Because to some degree, you're, you're, you're rubber stamping it, isn't it? Until you say, Mm-mm, no. Can you hear a serious call to discernment? That sounds drastic, doesn't it? And I think we get, we get some... Some, some help in other parts of scripture. I'll just go to, to one. First Corinthians 5, you know what I mean, kind of helps us, I think. He says, look, I wrote to you in my letter, verse 9, not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not to associate, no. Serious, fam, that's a bit deep, that's a bit extreme. Um, yes, because this is serious, says Paul. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, because you could have turned around and said, oh, so wait a minute, so who? That, that means I have to live like with Christians in a commune. I can't, I can't rub shoulders with anyone. No, no, no. He says, I'm not talking about the moral people of the world. That is those who are not Christians. Right? Not all meaning a sexually immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. That is people who are sinful and sinners, you know, by profession. Since then, you'd have to get out of the world. Can't do that. Verse 11. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. That's someone who's, who's saying that they're a Christian, but they're not. Now you draw the line. It says, but it says if he's guilty of sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality, obviously, in the context, that's what's going on. But that's not where the list stops. Remember I asked you to, to note the word before with regards to false teachers and preachers? If he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. You see, you see the, the similar argument, the distancing, the drawing the line. It says, for what have we to do with judging outsiders? Those who are outside and they're committing sin, I mean, what are you going to do? All the placarding, and I'm going to come to that in a minute, and protesting and all of that. But he says, you know what? Is it not those inside the church who are in the church but not necessarily in the church whom you're able to, who you are to judge? God judges those outside. He says, purge the, the who? Wow. Purge the evil person from among you. You see how serious the scriptures take this category of individual. By extending love beyond the bounds of truth, in this way believers would be in jeopardy of losing the reward for their faithfulness. Much of what is wrongfully propagated finds its way into millions of households 
And it's dangerous. The world is a dangerous place, naturally, but also spiritually. So then that must mean that we must do something about it, innit? See, because many false teachers are in operation who find access through open doors into unsuspecting and ignorant households. And this is so true, if not in another another, just this takes it to another dimension because again somebody doesn't need to knock the door and come into your house to infiltrate you and your family false teachers they come in many forms and I'd add a few others in terms of our modern context I was talking to the fellas about this and just how far to push this I'm not going to try and push it too far but I think I'm going to flag it up yeah so we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims. Heard of Holy Tabernacle Ministries? Malachi, Dr. Malachi Z. York? Oh my gosh. Chat about spacecraft and how the, the UFOs are coming to get... And hundreds, I mean... I think he's in prison now. They put him in prison like for... He, he got 700 years or something like that for child molestation. And um, Holy Tabernacle Ministries. Scientology... About atheism and humanism, I'm just going to pick one. Well, atheism is merely the absence of belief, right? Atheists don't believe in God. Humanism is a positive attitude to the world. And the humanism thing can seem really quite, "Mm, it's not too bad. Atheism, you don't believe in God? No, man, that can't work. But humanism, hmm, because it can be quite positive. But yet it's centered on human experience. It's centered on man's rationale and man's hope. It's like everything under the sun, like Rich was talking about. And just, I mean, so many facets of this. And again, so many inroads into your house, into your home, into your environment, right? I just want to mention music because it's just one of the things that is definitely big for me as someone who, is, who used to be involved in music and love music. Um, while artists like, you ever heard of Bayamoff? I was, t- I was terrified when I looked up this group. You can look it up in your own time, innit? Behemoth. A, a lie? You, and you know what? That's one of the milder pictures. Behemoth. Their lyrics are overtly satanic. It's like, you know you've got Christian musicians that look in the scriptures and want to communicate Christian truth? These guys look in the Bible... And whatever they see, they twist it. And if they don't twist it, they take the evil, wicked aspects of it and they'll quote those evil aspects in their music. It, 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 not, only, it not only sounds scary, like just audibly, but the lyrics are... T- 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 I, I was like... when I, 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 I was looking through some of the lyrics and I to, at one point I just had to stop. I just didn't want to poison my mind. My man's on stage one time with a big old five-pointed stars, you know, the five-pointed pentagram. And it's in front of his mic and he pulls out a Bible and he tears up the Bible. Bay him off. (laughs) But then, you probably won't laugh at this one. Then you've got man's like Jay-Z. I don't know if you can see it from there. But, um, and again, I'm not trying to push this too far and too hard. But when the man's got in his hoodie, do as thou wilt. You know, that's a, you know where that's, that's a quote from? That's a quote from the Satanic Bible. Anton Zandor LaVey. Satanic Bible. That's a verse at the Satanic Bible. I'll be like, fam. He ain't right. He, you're not fam. I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll be like, what you, bro, like, bruv, what can you say? You're like, how about this, brother? I mean, what's with the crown of thorns on his head? Does he think he's Jesus? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah actually, he does. Right, his new album, Jesus, messed up Kanye, the passion of Kanye West. He bought, did you see the Mercedes that he bought? He bought this two-seater Mercedes, yeah. It, look, it looks like no car that you've ever seen on the road. I looked at the car and I thought, 
it looks like, you know, like the old Batmobile. Two-seater, the front's long all the way go over to the, to the piano. And two-seater, it looks like, and I thought, why would you buy a car like that? Well, obviously, you don't want to be you and drive like a, a Range or a Bentley. It's a Mercedes, $1.7 million it cost. Kanye. Now, I'm like, am I, trying to, am, I, am I trying to expose myself to... Here's one. Just to show you, you know what I mean? Now, you know who that is? It's Frank Sinatra. Oh, is it Blue Eyes? Oh, Blue Eyes? I'm talking about... Um, nah, 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 nah. Behemoth, that's one level, and then you've got these other guys. You listen to their lyrics, carefully. look their lyrics up. They're teaching, they're preaching. And humanistic theology, even unsuspected artists like Frank Sinatra communicate a dangerous humanistic philosophy. You know what his big song was? Amen, everybody knows it. Why was that the time? I did it my way. That that song was written, it wasn't written by him, it was written by someone else. But um, it was written in 1967. That's my birth year. And now the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. My friend, I say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain, really. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets? I've had a few. Regrets? I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, I did. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. Bit of reality there. But, but through it all, there was no... But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and I spit it out. I faced it all. I stood tall. I did it my way. Last verse. I've, I've loved. I've laughed and cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. And now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think that I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, oh no, not me. I did it my way. For, for what is a man what has he got if not himself? Yo, for what is a man? What has he got if not himself? Then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. Now, I think, I, think it's, I, can, I can take that two ways. I haven't really kind of looked it up too deeply, but it's either he's talking about the person who kneels like they give up. I don't know if you get on your knees when you give up, but I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. It could be that, but I hope it ain't the other one. Right? He says, the record shows I took the blows, I did it my way. How many of you know that Pastor Frank Sinatra is a preacher with a very prominent pulpit? The brother is dead. Yet his, uh, yet his sermons are still being listened to all over the globe. Then he has disciples who were so, ev- so, heavenly in- so heavily influenced by his doctrine that they preached it too. Elvis Presley, Brooke Benton, Shirley Bassey, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols, Tom Jones, Robbie Williams, R. Kelly, even Gonzo the Great. You lot ever watch Muppet Show? He, even he done a version of the song. I counted 48 cover versions of the same song. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we need to carefully apply to our culture what John the Apostle is saying. I mean, how many of you know there's even quote-unquote Christian music that is dangerous that we need to screen as well as TV programs, Hollywood blockbusters. Now, I'm not talking about censorship. 
you know what I mean? I'm not, like I said, I'm not talking about picketing and legislating. No. But I am talking about us learning how to carefully scrutinize, isn't it? That which we expose ourselves to, that which we let into our sphere of influence. See, that which we will rubber stamp or that which we are inspired by or that which we condone so that we aren't deceived and then go on to dangerously disciple and deceive others. You know, humanism... I've got a quote here. Nearly finished. Humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance. This is from the International Humanist and Ethical Union, right? Humanism is a democratic and ethical life stance which affirms that human beings have the right and responsibility to give meaning and shape to their own lives. It stands for the building of a more humane society through an ethic based on human and other natural values in the spirit of reason and free inquiry through human capabilities. It's not theistic, which is a description of our biblical Christian perspective, right? And it does not accept supernatural views of reality. Notice the amount of times the word human is mentioned. Humanist, humanist perspectives include there's no supernatural beings, the material universe is the only thing that exists, science provides the only reliable source of knowledge about this universe, we only, only live this life, there's no afterlife, and no such thing as reincarnation or we don't believe in reincarnation or just an afterlife. Humans being, human beings, they say, can live ethical and fulfilling lives without religious beliefs. Human beings derive their moral code from the lessons of history, personal experience, and thought. Remember verse 8 and who it speaks to particularly. Watch yourselves. Don't be found guilty of going on ahead. Verse 9. Or lagging behind or turning to the left or turning to the right. I went bowling with my son and his friend Denzel. My friend as well, Denzel. Well, I'm Denzel. Where's he, where's he? Not my friend too, bro. Um, and in the bowling alleys, you know that you can, if, 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 you're, if you can bowl, just a regular alley. But if you can't bowl and you're not that good, they've got two contraptions for you. One of them is a big frame Right? That you put the ball in and you roll it down and it rolls down for you, right? <laughs> I was going to tell a joke then, but I'm not going to. That's one contraption. Then there's another contraption, and it's the two things at the side, right? You have to tell them at the desk, um, yeah. We're, we're. I'm play- I've got my kids with me, yeah? So, and they bring up the barriers so that when you bowl the ball and it keeps it in. Listen, loving the truth. And loving one another is like those barriers that come up that prevent you and me from going to the left or going to the right. And they keep us. Don't be found guilty of going ahead or lagging behind or turning to the left or the right. Practicing and protecting the truth in love. How not to become victim of spiritual crime. One of the best New Year's text messages that I received was a scripture. And it was from Ephesians 5. It says, look carefully then how you walk. How you walk. How you live. What direction are you going in? Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And you can just read over that, you know. Verse 12. Though I have much to write to you, says John, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. John apologizes for the brevity of the letter, right? Noting that. <laughs> we need to be a bit more like John, right? He apologizes for the brevity. Of, noting that what he needs to add will be said in person. I bet it was long in person. Bet you. This letter seems to be a condensed version 
of his sentence. <laughs> this letter seems to be a convinced, condensed version of his first and more extensive letter in First John, right? But maybe it's John's desire to come and further expand what he said then to now these Christians. <clears throat> the letter's concluded with a greeting from maybe the church that he's at. They say that he was probably in Ephesus when he wrote. And he writes to the children. <clears throat> so he writes to the elect lady from that church, that elect sister church in Ephesus. My encouragement to us, my brothers and my sisters, is that we, we would be found practicing and protecting the truth in love. Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me if they're still here, if, if you're not frozen solid. Abiding in God's commandments and abiding but not with false teachers or teaching. Hope I never felt I was hating on music. I love music, man. And I listen to music that's not necessarily Christian. But just try and scrutinize, isn't it? And sometimes you hear some big tunes and you think, oh my gosh, I've got to get rid of that tune. I mean, um, me and Mrs. Jones just, just had to go. Um, abiding. See, this is talking about where we live, isn't it? Abiding. Walking. I mean, I spoke earlier about the danger and the damage, you know what I'm saying, that can be caused to marriage. Me and Mrs. Jones, oh my gosh, that's like an Exocet missile like, aimed at destroying your marriage. You might not be sitting there listening to me and Mrs. Me and Mrs. Jones. We got a thing. I'm not trying to promote it. See, this is the thing. We've got to be able to listen to this stuff. We've got to be able to watch this stuff and be able to scrutinize it for what it is. You know what I mean? One, so we are aware, but so that we can help others. So, but I can't, you can't despite that some of it is good music. And I think that's what, I know I got caught out for about 10 years. There's me trying to deny that it's good music. You know what I mean? If, if somebody plays a bass line and it's, and it's nice... It's nice whether he's a Christian or he's an unbeliever. And it only does, all it does is it contributes to, to the doctrine of creation that God made man in his image, even though man is fallen. You know what I mean? And we can see that and we can say, that's amazing. That's an amazing piece of art. That's an amazing piece of music. But there's a problem with it, man. It's cracked. It's like looking in a glass and the glass is shattered. You can still see aspects of the reflection but it's not true you know what I'm saying me and Mrs. I'll be sitting there listening to me and Mrs. Jones thinking looking at my wife thinking that stuff will make me sin let's pray Father thank you for your word and thank you for the practical aspect of your word thank you that you say to us truth we need to walk in it we need to live in it we need to abide in truth and it's so hard sometimes because Lord the truth is like light and it exposes our darkness and it's embarrassing and Lord we feel so ashamed and, um, and yet that is that's the reality of walking in the light and you invite imagine you invite us to walk in the light and it's not so that you can expose us and say, ah, ah, look at you. No, you, you want us to walk in the light because you're, you, you're in the light. You dwell in the light. You dwell in unapproachable light. The fact that we get to, like Moses, get to see a little bit, a, a glimpse of the light, Lord. I mean, enough to blind us, yet. Yeah. And walking in that light, Lord, is, in one sense, it's so, it's, it's so terrifying especially as we're exposed to areas of our lives that are dark and sinful. But Lord, you draw us into the light because you want to say, right, you know what, Robert, there's areas of your life that I'm wanting to deal with. And I know, Lord, you've got your finger on multiple aspects in my life, exposing me and, and um, convicting me that you want to change, Lord. And I, and I do, I ask that you help me Help me not to run from the light, which is the temptation, but help me to run to the light. 
help us to run to the light. Through the Lord Jesus, what you want to do is, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you want us to walk in truth. You want us to walk in the light. But you also want us to walk in love. Genuine love for the brothers and the sisters, Lord, who are, us, who are sons of the Father, who have been saved by the Lord Jesus. Lord, if we are hating on our brothers and sisters, then we're not doing verse 8. We're not watching ourselves. But Lord, thank you that even when we're not watching ourselves, you're watching us, isn't it? Because you who began that good work in us, you're faithful to complete it. And Lord, you bring them things to the light. You drag, it's like you drag us by the scruff of the neck into the light. But again, for our own benefit, Lord, Help us to walk in the light and help us to walk in love to our brothers. And we're not going to love our brothers and sisters if we're Let's help us to not front. Lord, and if, we, and, 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 and if today, Lord, we're here and we're like, you know what? I don't actually like Christians, like none of them. They're weird. I'm here. I don't even know why I'm here today. I remember saying that, Lord, 20 odd years ago. Father, when I said, forgive me of my sins, you changed my heart. And now as much as, Lord, I I do get offended with my brothers and sisters, Lord, I, I, I actually do love them. I love them. I know I can't do without them. Sometimes they get on my nerves and I don't, I, I don't want to turn up for fellowship more often than not when I've got issues in my own life, but I actually love the brother, Lord. Do, 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 we, do we love one another, Lord? And then take us to the next level, Lord, where it's not just, okay, I'm loving you because I have to. Or, yeah, I love you sometimes. Lord, to help us to get to the point where like, we're like John. Where, where, where we're loving one another, not just, not just how, as how we would want to be loved, but we're loving them in the same way that Jesus loves. Wow. That seems... If that seems impossible to some degree. And maybe it is, Lord. But with man it's impossible. But with you all things are possible. Lord, help us to walk in truth. Help us to walk in love. And so doing, you've determined that that will protect us. Lord, that will protect us and preserve us from that which is false. From false teaching. and False teachers, Lord. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To find out more about us, visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.